shootings. If you did not hear, uh, in El Paso, over 20 were killed and injured. I believe about 24 injured and 20 killed. And then 14 hours later, uh, a shooting in Dayton, Ohio, where there was probably about another 20 that had been killed and uh, several more injured. You know, we live in a world that is broken. This was not God's plan. When sin came into the world, sin and destruction followed. And I just want you to pray with me. Father, today we pray for the peace that God that we sang about. The, the peace that passes understanding. I pray that you would be with those families that have lost loved ones and, and those that have been injured, God. That, that healing, miraculously healings would take place in their bodies. God, that you would be with the people of those communities that are trying to make reason out of what happened. And Father, I, I pray that God, that as, as we as the church, universal church, God, believers in you, God, would rise up and to be again to, to speak life into situations of hate and uh, division in our country. And that, Father, that we would see these shootings ended and, Father, that peace would be restored and, and love would be able to take the place of hate. God, we come against the assignment now of the enemy on this country. Come on, church, agree with me. We come against the assignment of the devil, God, on this church and all of the things that we're doing. And, Father, as the enemy comes against the things of your kingdom, God, Christians rise up and say, no. In the name of Jesus Christ. That God, that we are more than overcomers in this world. That's more than just our personal selves. But God, we are overcomers against the schemes of the enemy. And Father, we're, we're setting up church right outside the gates of hell. And we're saying no more, no more goes to hell without knowing the love of Jesus. Father, let us be known as world changers. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. When we begin to realize that the power that is inside of us is the same power that raised Christ from the dead, there, there's something about knowing it, but there's a whole other thing about walking in it. Can, can I get anybody to agree with me on that? And, and, you know, the Bible says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Do you know the only thing that can separate you from the love of God? You. When you do not receive what God has for you. When you do not walk in the love of God and know that He has something in store for you, a, a future, and it's not to harm you, it's a good future. Then all of a sudden, that, that, that cloud of what if and fear, doubt, and unbelief begins to lift over us. This morning, I'm telling you right now, you know, uh, all the things that our church can do together. And, and you know, if you've been a part of our church, we have put everything into creating a, an understanding of who we are. And that is in our identity. As a church, our, our desire, our hope is to create an atmosphere of a growing loving relationship with God and each other. And that is an atmosphere. Now, I, I can say that we, we do that. The, the pastor and the staff, we, we make sure that we can't do that. It's the people of the church that have to come into the atmosphere and say, you know what, that, that's for me. You, you might came in this morning and I don't know all the things that we go through in life. 
I mean, one of the things that we go through in life is come to church as a family only one time a week. We get together in the same car probably, and we come to church. Boy, that's a big thing to overcome sometimes. I didn't really realize it until I was on vacation one time, and I thought, this is harder than I thought, because usually I come to church early in a different vehicle, but on vacation, all the family got in the same car. We were running a little late, and, and just the, the, the trials, little and big, that we go through. You know, last, last Sunday night, we as a church did something uh, kind of unusual. We went together to different restaurants. We called it kind of the restaurant connection groups. And if, if you came, I'm sure that you had a great time. I did. And, and to get to someone, get to know somebody that really I, I might not have known in a certain way to hear a different story or something in their life. And let me tell you, I've been part of churches. This isn't the only church I've ever been involved in in my life. But to do something on purpose is going to take action. Because if we can just say, oh yeah, that's a great idea, but I'm not going to be a part of it, that, that isn't going to work. There, there's something that in the physical realm, that where we walk and talk and breathe and all that, we have to take action. Well, pastor, I don't know. You know, sometimes uh, I've been on a cruise, and if you've ever been on a cruise, they have kind of a, a way of eating the dinner meal. And, and if you've ever been on a cruise, you know that they give you a table assignment, and then you show up and there's sometimes a table of 10 people and if you're there with your wife or your husband, you, there's two of you, you're sitting with eight other people. And you're going, boy, this is uncomfortable. By the end of the trip, you're, hey, Jimmy, hey, Billy, hey, Bobby, hey, did you have a good time today? And all of a sudden you built a relationship with somebody that you would have never even had a desire. Good night, Homer and Lisa go on vacation with the first couple that they went on a cruise with. They didn't even go on a cruise with them. They just sat at the same table, met them, and now they've developed into great friends. And chances are he's, the family's going to be watching us on FaceTime or Facebook. And that's how it happens. And until you put yourself in a place of receiving the love of God from God through worship and then allow somebody to love you. There's a part of you that will always become, you know, kind of a place where you, you just don't, you don't experience the abundant life. You know, uh, sometimes we go through trials and, and the circumstances and, and we wonder, God, are you there? Are, are you there, God? This morning starts a new sermon series. And we just got done talking from here to there, talking about all the circumstances and how things in our life come to keep us from doing all that God has for us. This morning, if you can see this, this is a ladder. And if you can't, get your eyes checked. But anyway, this right here is a ladder. And the title of my new series is, Who's Holding Your Ladder? Years ago... At this time, if everybody would gaze up to the ceiling, and that projector right there, how many people know that's a long ways up there? The bulb in that projector went out. So somebody had to go up there. The, the fact is that we only had a 12-foot ladder. Now, a 12-foot ladder, these walls are 10 feet on the sides, and Two feet more than that. That's all that we had. And, and we would have never done this. Nobody would have ever made anybody do this. But what had happened is somebody said, we have a 12-foot ladder. There was a young guy. And I mean, he's a hulk of a guy, you know. And I, like, and I had gone into the other room. And, 
And I came back, and that guy had erected that 12-foot ladder under that projector. And not only did he climb the ladder, but he was standing on the top of the ladder. His hands were above his head. (laughs) Now, when I came in, his stepfather was up here working on something, and he turns around. He said, what are you doing up there? I said, he changed it like nothing and then came down. Now, this morning, can I see your hand if you would want to do that? Okay, Scott, Jeff, we got two. All right, we, somebody write those names down. Because I... I don't appreciate having to do some of those things around the house that gets me on a ladder. Gwen would love to say, I'd love Christmas lights up there. I would too. Would you like to go up there and do that? (laughs) There's something about somebody though that comes around you and and the bigger of the guy, the, the more strong of the person, and he can hold the ladder so it's almost like it's in concrete. How many knows that going up the ladder is easier? I said easier. For some of you, it's not easy still. But that's what I want us to look at today and, and for the next few weeks. And, and even next week, I have a guest speaker coming in, Neil Burem, that is one of my close friends, and he's going to speak on the subject. Who's holding your ladder? Circumstances in our life have a tendency to, to kind of yell. And, and what they yell is a lot of times against God's word. Uh, Lisa led us in worship today and I'm not going on what somebody else says or circumstances say. I'm going to go on what lines up with the Word of God. I heard a story about a husband and wife and the fall was coming and it was getting a little cooler. And the wife said, Honey, can you call the the company that fixes and adjusts the furnace because it's getting colder? And he goes, I'll, I'll do it. And so he called the company and said, hey, could you send someone out again this year? And, and could you check the pilot light? And if it needs lit, would you light it and adjust the, uh, the different uh, things to make sure that the furnace will work this year in the winter? And so uh, the company said, oh, yeah, 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 we'll do it again this year. He said, uh, well, make sure, can you tell me what day you're coming? And they said, well, we'll probably come on Thursday. And he goes, oh, that's great. He said, can you tell me what time? And, and the guy says, no, it'll, it'll probably be between, you know, morning and evening. You know how sometimes they do. And he goes, no, 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 I've got to be there. And the guy goes, no, we, we know, we, we can figure it out. He says, we know, we know, this is our business. He goes, no, you don't understand. I've got to be there. He goes, no, no, you don't. We can come in, we can figure it out. We've, we know you. And he goes, no, no. <laughs> The repairman will lose his mind if I'm not there. And the company says, why? He says, because that thermostat in the hallway is a dummy. That's just there for my wife to fool around with. I am the only one that knows where the real thermostat is. Now, some of you husbands are going, oh, what a great idea. 
And I see Curtis over here without Chris, so he's even got a leg up. He's going, ha, ha, ha. Sometimes doesn't it feel like the thermostat of our life when we as believers believe that it, it, our faith is like a thermostat. Our confession is saying to ourselves, okay, we know the word of God, we're confessing it, we're, we're telling the circumstance to change. But sometimes if you're like me, the thermostat seems to be just a dummy. It's not working. What's up? Did someone hide the real one? Because I'm speaking and I just don't feel... Do you hear me? Feel like things are changing. And circumstances begin to speak to me. And as Lisa said earlier, and it's amazing how sometimes this all lines up. The noise just keeps getting louder. And, and, and sometimes we get to that place where we go, you know what? I have the promises of God. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, I want you to look at that. Because this is going to be important for you to get. Some of us have heard this forever. It says this, We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Are you with me on that? All things work together for us who are called according to His purpose, that are walking in the love of God. We know that all things work together for... It's not long after you become a Christian and put your faith in God that you go, God, I I don't think that all things are working good for me. And it's all into our, our thinking that begins to build and build and build until we say, you know what, God, I don't even know if you're holding my ladder. I feel like I'm up here and it's kind of shaky and I put my trust in you, but I just, I don't feel like things are happening. This morning, the good news is that you're here. We're going to talk about that. Now this morning, as as we begin to speak this, the Holy Spirit has promised me He's going to speak to you if you're listening. Now watch this. If you, have you ever gone to the swimming pool and maybe you've taken your family and there's, there's this lady that goes, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to get in the water because I don't want to get my hair wet. You know, and then there's some people that just sit on the edge of the pool and get their feet wet. Here's what I'm asking you. Help me help you. Determine right now that you're going to get down into the middle of the pool and you're going to get all wet in this message. You're going to say, God, speak to me on this. Help me overcome some of these things that are happening in my life that it seems like the thermostat just doesn't work. I can get excited on Sunday, but man, let me tell you, Monday morning I'm thinking, what happened? This morning, the the title of my message is the Eliezer Alternate. And and you'll understand that in a minute because we're going to talk about Abram or Abraham. And if you'll look at Genesis chapter 15, here's where I want to start. I'll tell you that that at this place, we're going to see our character. and, And he begins to have feelings of doubt. And they're going to lead to disappointment. Last week we talked about disappointment and how it can lead to bitterness. We're in a new series this morning, but I want you to see the transition of how when we begin to doubt, God's Word is working in our life, it can begin to lead to disappointment if we'll allow it. We do not 
want to allow that. Here's the backstory before we start. I'm going to call him Abraham, even though at this point in his life he's Abram. He doesn't have a new name yet of what God has given him. The Bible says that a time comes when a messenger comes and says that four kings from the north. This is amazing. This is, this is better than uh, even a fictional story, but it is true that the Bible says that four kings from the north swept down and began to take everybody's stuff and, and they began to uh, kill, steal, and destroy and they began to take people as hostages and then they began to return home. The word comes to Abram, your nephew Lot is part of this uh, captive group of people that these four kings are taking with them. Abraham, as a believer in God, says, oh, no, they're not. So he just gets the men in his household. He was a very wealthy man. That's right, he's a believer in God, a child of God, and he's very wealthy. Deal with it. And the Bible says that he gets his... And, and, you know, when you think about all the men in his household, you might think that he's got 20 or 30 or 40 men. The Bible says that he has 317 men of fighting age that go with him. And 317 men set out for these four kings that have a massive army. And the Bible says that they come upon these men and they overtake them. They destroy them. 317 men. Now, the Bible says that as they're returning back home, Abram comes to a place that now is Jerusalem. And he meets a priest called Melchizedek. And at that point, he offers 10% of the, the spoils of battle to this priest for God. He says, God, you have given me this opportunity to be victorious, and I'm giving you back 10%. And now, watch this. This is before even the, the, the time of Moses and giving the law and talking about tithing. This came out of his heart. And the Bible says that he gives 10% and then all of a sudden what we're going to be talking about takes place. This is a monumental time in the Bible, but especially in his personal life. The victory's won. He's showing gratitude to God. And then all of a sudden, look at verse 2. I, I tell you what, let's go to verse 1 of chapter 15. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Now watch this. Here's God speaking to him. Fear not, Abram. Isn't it amazing? Number one command in the Bible. Don't fear. Here he says it again. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield, your protection. And then he says, Your abundant compensation and your reward shall be exceedingly great. Can anybody agree that's better than any fortune cookie that you could get at a restaurant? Did, did you hear how easy it was for me to say that? You could read it too. It's easy. But for you to walk in that and believe... That God is going to be able to hold your ladder. And, 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 and you don't have to fear. John, don't fear. I'm going to be your shield, John. Your abundant compensation. Sometimes I feel like he's doing this. 
and your reward shall be exceedingly great. And so Abram hears that. Do you think that Abram acts like you and I? Don't we all just go, good enough for me, God. You said it. I'm going to walk in it. No. The circumstance has changed in his life because God had given him a promise that he had not seen come true in his life. See, God earlier in Genesis chapter 12, verse 7 said, when, when God showed him the promised land that would come, he says, I'm going to give you this and all of your posterity and your children and your children's children. All of a sudden, there's an expectation in chapter 12, but in 15, it looks like he's become irritated. God, when, when is that going to happen? I've been waiting a long time. I've been, I've been waiting three chapters. <laughs> Look at verse 2 and you'll see it. It says, And Abram said, Lord God, what can you give me since I'm going on from this world? In other words, one day I'll die. He says, I'm childless. And he who shall be the owner and heir of my house is this steward, Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram continued, Look, you have given me, a ch given me no child and a servant born in my house shall be my heir. In other words, God, what you promised me is not going to happen. So here, here's what's going to happen, God. When, when, when circumstances are yelling at us, you know, when the storm is blowing and all the circumstances that we can see with our own eye don't look good, we begin to go, you know what, God? I know. I, I must have missed it, so I'm going to put plan B. Just in case. And to some extent, we forfeit the ability to watch God move on our behalf. Therefore, when we do not see God in our life moving on our behalf, because we've always tried to shortcut, what happens is we begin to then never grow stronger in Him when we go through the next storm. In this time period, there was a law that somebody could take somebody in their household as a servant and actually make them the heir legally. But I want you to see this because here's at this point when he's planning plan B, you have given me no children, so a servant in my, hold, in my own household will be my heir. Can I just speak to you a minute? And I want to speak because I believe that God told me. There's people in here that are going through things in, in somewhat of a discontented spirit. And I'm saying this morning that there, there are sons and daughters here that are discontented where you're at and you want to, you want to move against somebody in your life. Because of where you're at right now in your life, you're going, you know what, they're, they're, i got to make a move. You don't even know where the move is coming. You, you might want to say, I've got to divorce my wife. And see, some of us would go, oh no, that's horrible. Who would be, who's in here that like that? But the person that's feeling that knows. There's somebody here that says, my company never understood me and never is treating me right. I've got to leave that company.
There's a discontented spirit. There's somebody that is here that is moving in a season of their life and they go, you know what? What I thought was God was doing in my life, I just I don't see Him doing it anymore. You know, if you change your church, that, that's the answer to everything. Because we know that if, if, if the president is wrong about everything, I don't care if you voted for Obama or Trump, you know that if you have a cold, it's their fault. <laughs> have you ever picked that up in the world? It's always the president's fault because we don't... Okay, that's enough politics right there. We'll just move that over there. But there's somebody here that says, you know, the, the church, I need to leave my church because, you know, I'm... Plan B, what is plan B in your life? I think it was Cortez, maybe DeSoto, one of those explorers. And he gr- brought his group of soldiers over really to find gold. And when he landed and he started to defeat the Aztecs, he thought to himself, I know my men, and if times get tough, they're going to want to go back home. History tells us, you know what he did? He did a move that was just mind-blowing for all of his men. He ordered all the ships that brought him to this country to be burnt. There was no plan B. They had to go forward. And I'm speaking to you today in love because if we do not allow God to take us through, if we're always pulling up, and especially in a church situation, you realize that in this situation as a church, it should be different than anywhere else in the world that you live and where you work. And what. And here's what I mean by that, is when you realize that when you're growing and you pull yourself up, you're going to try to transplant yourself somewhere else. And if you're not aware of this, what happens is your root system gets very shallow. Here's Abraham and he gets to the point and he's crying out, God, you're not doing what you promised. Now, here's the second thing that I want you to see because it's very important where we're going because what we're going to do in a few minutes is if we're in a disappointment situation with a family member, a relationship of any kind, if we're in a place where we feel like God has not provided and and we've been givers and we've done what the Word of God says over our life and we feel like we're tired of being busted and disgusted and all that, you know, we're disappointed. Maybe you're here today and you've had pain in your body. You say, God, I'm tired of having pain in my body. You said that you sent your word to heal our diseases. And we know his word is Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. God, my body hurts. What we're going to do is we're going to ask our prayer team to come up here. And if you're going through that time, whatever it might be to come up for prayer, then what we're going to do is we're going to take the Lord's Supper. It's the covenant and we're going we're gonna to believe and, and confess it out of our mouth of what God has done for us. So, so watch this. Here's the second thing that I want you to see. Notice how God responds. He doesn't rebuke Abraham. 
He doesn't tell him, you have no right to question me on this. You, you can even see many times in Scripture, great men and women have times where they go, God, what, what, where, where, where am I at? If you read the Psalms, it doesn't take much to hear David's private words. You know that he probably never thought that a group of people down at the chapel, 2019, is going to hear. But here's what he said. How long, O Lord? Anybody thought that? How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemies triumph over me? If you look at the prophet Habakkuk, he says, How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry out to help? Violence, but you do not save. These are men that we read about in the Word of God that have faith, but there's times in their life where they're going, You know what, God, I can't see it. I can't taste it, touch it, feel it. And the Bible says, Then we walk by faith and not by sight. But it's so much easier when the circumstances are yelling, That's not true. You can see with your eyes. It's not true. There has to be something of a preconceived and a predetermined action before it even happens or most of the time you'll listen to the noise pastor you don't know what my husband is like to be around you don't know what it is like to work down there at that place how long God will I be in this spot he needs reassurance he needs over and over, God, are you holding my ladder in this situation? You said that I was going to have children. You, you said it, God, and it feels like you quit holding the ladder. I, I want you to see this because I'm almost done here. And then we're going we're gonna to have communion. But the first thing that you see that God does is he corrects Abraham's thinking. You know, the whole transformation when you come to God, it's a continual process. It isn't in the first hours that you become a Christian. That the Word of God changes your thinking, and then when your thinking changes, it changes your emotions. Do you remember what it was before you were a Christian and you thought, you know, someone say, boo, and you're ready to fight, or boo, and you're ready to flight? But the Word of God is giving you stability. And then when our emotions changes because our thinking has changed, and then our choices change. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? All of a sudden, our choices are different than what it was just maybe a year ago because now we're walking with the Word of God. When our choices change our habits, then our character and our destiny. Look at what God says. And this is probably, I would say, as far as part of my vision of what God has given John Miller, this is it right here. I love this passage. Hmm. Verse 4, it says, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. Listen. The Bible says that God says, Go outside, Abram. See, he'd been inside. And the Bible says, He says, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. This morning, some of us need to let 
the lid come off of our reduction of what we think God can do in our life. We begin to, to walk in a way of thinking that God can only do this in modern times and we're not in the Old Testament. He's not going to heal the sick. He's not going to raise the dead. He's not going to provide that miracle in my relationship. Let me tell you, God is the same today as He was yesterday and He will be tomorrow. The Bible says that He says, I want you to go outside and count the stars. Then the Bible says that he begins to do something that, that's pretty ah, bloody. And, and it's called a covenant. See, it doesn't really make sense in our culture. But back then, when a contract was given between two people, an animal or animals were cut in two. Pretty bloody. And they were put on two sides of an, and, and they would make an aisle. And, and the people that were making the covenant would walk between that and make a declaration that this is their promise. And what it was, is it was saying that shall the person that breaks the covenant be like one of these animals that have been cut in two if they do not live up to what their word is. A little bit different than just signing your name on a contract, isn't it? It's a powerful image reminding Abraham of what God's going to say over his life. The purpose of a covenant, if you're taking notes, put this down, is to remind people of promises that are made. In our society, really, there's only two times when a covenant is made. And one of them is a marriage and the other is water baptism. If you had a wedding that you were married at and it, you had a ceremony, realize that some people that go to a wedding doesn't even know that that's a, a covenant. That whole ceremony has been set up for that. See, nobody's cut in two. <laughs> That I know of. But if you've ever gone to a wedding, who sits on this side of the sanctuary? The groomsmen. Who sits on this side? The bride. Do you realize that when the ceremony starts, the, usually the two will come in, the bride and the groom will come in at different times. And a lot of times in this church, I've done it several times, the groom will even be over here with me in this office, sometimes all the groomsmen. And they'll come in and we'll march in. Boy, you know, we look pretty good. And we march right here and we come and they stand all on this side, the groomsmen. Or they come in with the bridesmaid, they split and they go to their side. Anybody been here before? You saw that before in a wedding? And then, dun, da, 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 you know, here comes in the, the bride and the groom is up here. And I've, I've done it hundreds of times. And he's either down there or up here. And, <laughs> and everybody's looking up here, but when the bride comes in, they go, forget him. <laughs> and they look at it. Well, he's going. <laughs> she comes in by herself or with her father. The father gives to the groom, but at the end, what happens? Does she go running out and he runs over here? No. They go down through the aisle of both families that are witnessing the marriage covenant. 
Pretty cool. Some of you got, I got to go to a wedding now. I never realized that. It's the same thing with water baptism. When you become a believer, God has asked us to be baptized in water. Now, a lot of people think that that's just a symbol, that just to get wet. Let me tell you, it's more than that. Being baptized is being buried in the water and resurrected as Jesus. Now, let me give you a proof because a lot of people are going, I don't know if I... Okay, Romans chapter 6, verse 1 says this. Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Now, watch this. Or don't you know that, any, that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism in death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. The parting of the water into two areas as you go down, some of us make a little bit bigger part than others, and then when we're resurrected, again, the two that that are there, as I said, even in this building a lot of times when we go through water baptism, I say, if we could get the whole world in this sanctuary just to witness this, that you're making a public declaration of what that verse just said. You're buried in the death, now you're living in a new life. Again, the covenant purpose is to remind us of the promises that have been made. That there was something about the covenant ceremony where, where God had cut these two animals, these all these animals, and, and a torch which represented God passed through that. Think about this. Here's Abraham and he's having problems with this actually happening, the promises of God. And all of a sudden he's part of this ceremony and he goes, oh my. See, looking outside and seeing the stars in the sky and saying that's who you're, that's what you're going to become and your children When those days came where he's on the ladder and he's getting closer and he's going, God, I'm believing in you, believing in you. Let me tell you, those images of the stars in the sky gives him a hope picture that he can say, that's who I am. When the day comes when he goes, you know what, I don't have any children. He can think back to this image of that ceremony when God's promises said, I'm going to promise to you this is who you are. Don't fear. I'm going to be giving you a great compensation. Let me tell you, God is good. Now this morning, I want to wrap it up by saying this. I want to remind you that last week we talked about Paul. And he said, no matter how many promises God has made, they are all yes in Christ. And so through him, amen is spoken by us to glory of God. In other words, when God makes the promise, it's up to us to say, so be it. And we co-labor with God of the universe to be able to see those promises acted out in our life. Now I want to show you these in two different translations and then I'm going to ask the prayer team and the worship team to come up. This morning, if you're going through a time when you're going, you know what, I, I need to know that God is holding my ladder. There's things going on in my life. I need to know. L- listen to this. This passage is Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. I'm going to read it out. Two translations. For no matter how many promises, this is the NIV, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through Him, the Amen is spoken by us 
to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set us His seal of ownership on us, and put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is yet to come. Now, now watch this. I love that. But look at the message translation. I want to read it to you. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with yes of Jesus in Him. This is what we preach and pray. The great amen, God's yes, and our yes together, gloriously evident. God affirms us, making us a sure thing in Christ. Putting His yes within us. By His Spirit, He stamped us with His eternal pledge, a sure beginning of what He is destined to complete. This morning, instead, I want you to see this. Instead of rebuking Abraham in his point of saying, God, how long is it going to be? He does something that is something that you need to hear. God steps up and reassures him, I still got your back. I'm still on the throne. And I'm still holding your ladder. Keep climbing. Keep believing. Keep trusting. I've got it. I said last week something that has stuck with me every since I said it. If we believe as children of God that Jesus came to give us life to the full, even to the overflow, if we cannot get around the subject of being disappointed, I don't think it's possible for us to experience what Jesus came for us to do for us in giving us life. This is a stopper in our life when we become disappointed. We say, God, I, I don't believe that you can do what you said you do. you're going to do. So this is what I want us to do. This morning, I want us to do what the Bible says and agree in prayer with one another. In, in, in James it says, pray together because the affectionate, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It, it says that, you know, we know that where two or three are gathered in my name, that's where I am. Where two or three as a witness agree on anything, it shall be done. So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to ask the worship team to come forward. If you guys would come forward. I hope to get this out of the way. They're going to lead us in some songs. And what they are is songs of confession. When you hear the words and you begin to sing them, I want you to sing them as of to God. And I hope you do that already. But, but I want you to hear yourself. Well, Pastor, I don't sing. Sing these. Speak them out. Begin to confess it. It is sweet to trust in Jesus. Whatever songs that we sing now. If you're going through disappointment in anything in your life and you say, God, I need freedom to move on, then I'm going to ask you to come to the front and just agree in prayer. Let me tell you, if you don't have faith to take a step to agree with one another, it's going to be hard for you to put your faith around God giving you a breakthrough. Then after that, we're going to all go into the ceremony of believing that the covenant through the communion of the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus in the bread and the cup is for us. Let's worship. Prayer team, if you would, just stand with me, everybody. <clears throat> the hardest part is going to be just taking the step. 
If I can, if I can have some of you come down that I've asked for prayer, that would pray with people.
Hallelujah. This morning, if you would just have a seat, I'm going to have the ushers go ahead and begin to serve. This morning, we're taking action, physical, visible action, a belief. When we show physical action, what's amazing is what is happening physically can become spiritually. Just like what we talked about is you can't say that you love God that you can't see, but you do not love your brother that you can see. What's being stressed there is when you say that you're a believer, there is no... There isn't an option. You have to love one another. But there's more than just saying that you love one another. There has to be a a fruit of your confession. There has to be something that is visible. It's the same thing as when we're talking this morning about believing for whatever the needs were this morning. The healings, the relationships, the whatever it might be. That this morning as we're doing a physical sign of remembering the covenant of what Jesus did on the cross for us. That believing that He is who He says He is. And that He can do and will do what He says He will do. Forgiving of our sins. Healing our, our bodies. Giving us opportunities more and more. Sometimes more than we want to walk in love. Huh? Probably one of the hardest things to do at times is walk in love even though we feel like somebody's hurt us. But what we're doing today again is recognizing that God has given us the power to do what is not easy to do. Because that's what He's done for us. This morning as the ushers are serving you, I'm going to ask, can we sing the song that says I'm not going to... You can see why I'm not singing. I can't even remember the, the words, all of it. But that good one that says I'm not going to go on what other people say or what's been spoken over me. Yeah, yeah. All right. Just where you are. Let, let this be your confession. Stand on this. Mm.
Aleluia. This morning as we take the Lord's Supper, if you would, just hold the bread in your hand kind of up like I'm doing. This, this morning as we take the bread, which is, um, again, representing, and Jesus says, when you do this, this is my flesh. In other words, th- this is representing in the covenant the torn flesh of Jesus. That that if there's a healing in your body or somebody that we believe that by His stripes we are healed because of what Jesus did on the cross. And, and, and so many times as, as we confess that we make it personal. That we, as my friend Joe is dealing with cancer. That we say, by his stripes, Joe is healed. Cancer has to go. And this morning, if you're here and you have sickness in your body, that what we're doing is again, just like God told Abraham. I want you to understand through this ceremony that you can remember what I've done for you. So when the circumstances get loud, and boy, if you've ever been in pain in your body, they can get very loud. But I want you to remember this, that I came and, and as they whipped me, I did it for you, that you would be healed in my name. When we, when we take the bread, that we, we realize that that we confess His promises over us, that we do not walk in, in, in defeat. That we do not walk in a, in a spirit of false humility. Well, I'm never going to mount to... No, no, no. Because this is what Jesus says of us, that you're my sons and daughters. When, you, when we take the cup that represents the blood of Jesus, r- realize that what we're doing is in the cup... It gives us freedom over sin. That by His grace we are forgiven. That's what the cup is. But also, sometimes we have to be reminded that this is, again, the blood of Jesus that was given to us, that we are adopted into His family. He chose us before we chose Him. That... Through Him that we can experience favor. That, that Gwen and I, and, and you can too, you can take the Lord's Supper. It doesn't have to be at church. I, I know pastors that, that take it every day. Which again reminds them over and over again. Today that I'm walking by, by the blood of Jesus in the favor of Jesus. I pray favor, as Lisa experienced favor this morning during worship, she told about how people seemingly should have just overlooked her for a promotion, but she continually got the promotion. You could, you could talk to these two ladies right here and they could tell you that they shouldn't even be in the position at work that they're in. But God said, no, 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 favor. You know how God is amazing in our lives. 
So when I, when I pray, I, I pray. <laughs> Favor comes on my family. And I, I speak it out. Favor on Luke's life. And all that he does in his business. He's in construction right now as well as helping at the coffee. God, I pray favor on his life. On Heath and May's life. And I speak into their life. God, I pray favor in their dealings and all the things that they're doing right now in the coffee shop, in the ministry. God, I, I pray favor. God, I pray favor on, on Mark's life. And, and God, everything that he does and everything that he goes when he meets people. God, favor. that God, that it just like he, he comes to the front. Brooke, as she's in college right now, God, I pray favor on her. God, everything that she studies, that God, you give her favor with her professors, her friends. God, and, and so, you know, when things happen, we don't go, well, I wonder how that happened. That we, we're taking the Lord's Supper right now, believing that favor can come upon us and our family. Have you ever thought about this? When a lamb was slain for a sacrifice in the Old Testament, it was not for the individual per se. It was for the family. That family. So I believe, as I'm, again, I believe that I'm the head of the family, the spiritual head of the family, that I pray at this time, God, I pray favor on my children, on my family, my children also, and then, God, on my grandchildren that aren't even here yet. Well, Pastor, how are you going to pray that? I'm praying right now. God, I, I pray that, God, that you bring favor in the Miller household. And you can do that too. That's what we're doing today. If this morning you came in and you're, you've been actually disappointed in something or someone and you're saying, God, I, I need a break out. Today, this is what we're doing. We're breaking out. We're seeing with our own eyes, again, reminding us of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. Can I say it this way? It's already in our account. It's up to you if you write a check on it. So this morning, let's take the bread that represents the body of Christ. Would you, again, if you need healing in your body, to confess it this morning. God, I pray favor. God, blessings. This morning, let's take the cup. Freedom in our life. Can you say freedom? freedom. Let's take the cup. God, I pray for favor on the people of the chapel today. God, that we walk in the identity that you have for us. The God that we believe all things work together for those that are called according to your purpose. The God that we're called and we're walking in your purpose. So we believe by the promise of Jesus Christ that God all things are working for our good. When we leave this place, we begin to look long and expect for God how that's going to happen. God, when we go home, we're going we're to look for how it's going to happen. When we go to bed and wake up in the morning, we start our day off looking and longing and expecting, God, for your victory and your favor, your love, your unmatchless companionship in our life. God, when a door 
bell rings, God, we say, I wonder what good news is coming my way. When a phone rings, God, we say, I wonder what good news is coming my way. God, we begin to look for your favor on our life. We thank you for what you did on the cross for us. That God, that we might walk in this freedom. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. This morning before we take up the offering and have some announcements, would you just one more time stand? I know you might have to be seated in a minute, but I believe that we need to respond to what we just did and sing that song again. And and can we just say, I don't care. I'm not going to walk in what's been spoken over me. I'm making a choice today that I'm going to determine to decide to walk in what the Word of God says for my life. Let's sing that song together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.